Hello, and welcome to Double Exposure, a conversation podcast about comparing and contrasting cinema old and new, viewing two films through the same lens. I'm Bear Boswell, and I love film. From the latest and greatest blockbusters to hidden art house gems, I am very passionate about movies. I'm no film major or famous critic, just a guy who loves going to the movies and feeling them for everything they were intended to be. This week on Double Exposure, we're going to be looking at two of the biggest animal adventure movies, two colossal giants of cinema, Spielberg's classic Jurassic Park and the 1933 pre-code classic King Kong. But I couldn't begin to ferociously tear down the barriers of film discussion without my wonderful guest this week, Josiah Newman. Hello. Hey. Hey, it's Josiah. Nice to be here. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, at any time. Talking about prehistoric monster movie action, white men messed up genre. What yeah. do you think about that? Oh, it's you know, I I think these movies are really fun, honestly. <laughs> so much fun. They're just a rush. And um I'm very familiar with well, I'm pretty familiar with Jurassic Park. I watched it growing up. King Kong. I had not ever seen the original. The and very so, original. It all started in the wonderful year of 1933, where they didn't really care about race, like other races besides white. Yeah. <laughs> and not woman. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty apparent in the movie. <laughs> I was also surprised with how intense that movie is. Oh, my gosh. Like, so intense with the action scenes being upwards of, like, 30 minutes and just insane mm-hmm. action. Which I think is really cool because the latest King Kong really carried that too. Mm-hmm. Like the 2004 one, the action in that was also like incredibly, I don't know, like went on for a very long time and you're feeling kind of intense from it and a little bit awkward in a way too because mm-hmm. it's like, wow, this is pretty brutal for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I had a similar thought. I was just thinking of how sometimes I have a lot of criticism with modern like Marvel movies where it's just action and things are always happening and it's crazy. And I thought... Well, maybe it's been around for a while. Maybe there's just been so much action-driven movies that this isn't Marvel didn't make that up. This has been around for a long time. Right, exactly. And in the same sense, like Jurassic Park didn't invent, you know, the action-heavy, you know, incredible soundtrack kind mm-hmm. of era. Like Spielberg definitely had the um I don't know, the iconic and revolutionary soundtrack with Jaws. Mm -hmm. But then we see Jurassic Park, like during the fight scenes, no music. Oh, yeah. Like during, I don't know, I said fight scene. (laughs) (laughs) Just a dinosaur fighting a human. It was more like dinosaurs. Dinosaurs fight inanimate objects. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes each other. (laughs) I don't know if a human can really put up a fight. (laughs) Like, hey, I'm going to get you, man. Yeah, I've got big teeth, so probably not. Was it your first time seeing any of these films? It was my first time seeing King Kong. Okay. Um, probably, I want to say, like, 15th or more time seeing Jurassic Park. Wow. We had that on VHS growing up, and so, yeah, I think it's one of my first favorite movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm on the exact opposite of the spectrum. <laughs> this was my first time seeing Jurassic Park. And I can already hear the the pitchforks and the torches outside the house. But, yeah, I was completely blown away by this and was also a little bit ashamed because it's like, <laughs> Bear, you haven't seen Jurassic Park. Are you freaking kidding me? But, honestly, no shame because it's like I, I was waiting for the time to do it, you know? It's just like it's kind of weird to just sit down and be like, I'm just going to watch Jurassic Park. But then for some people, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a t- totally a movie mm-hmm. you would just sit down and watch. But for me... Like I did that when I was a kid with movies like like Forrest Gump and with, mm-hmm. you know, Back to the Future, the Zemeckis films, you know, those to me had more of that appeal. I think this one when I was a kid was just way a little too like scary, a little too adult. You know what I mean? It It is it's terrifying, man. <laughs> it's so really scary. Is. Let's, I mean, let's just go ahead and jump right into mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. Then. Yeah. So like. It's it's pretty scary. You know, it was released in 1993 mm-hmm. and it was directed by Steven Spielberg. And I think for the time period, it was way ahead of its time. What do you think? Yeah, I think I mean, I don't know about the time period in terms of my movie understanding, but mm-hmm. the movie does an excellent job of building suspense. I mean, from the get go, there's that very first scene where you're like, all right, we're in some island, island new, but what is, I, okay. Um, and then there's these weird, like, 
cages and just noises. There's rain, there's rustling of like leaves and you're like, okay, what, what's being caged here? Like, I don't know, but there's a lot of armed guards and something is off and like, this is how the movie opens up is you're like, okay, there's definitely, I mean, I've got an idea. This movie's called Jurassic Park. I'm pretty sure Maybe there's dinosaurs, dinosaurs in it, but what dinosaur, I don't know. Who knows? And is it going to be friendly ones? Is it going to be dangerous ones? If there's guns, it's probably going to be dangerous. It's probably going to be dangerous. You know, and then I think my initial thoughts at the beginning was like, okay, I know the universal, you know, the the ride. I know that this brought a new interest in dinosaur discovery for like a lot of people, but I think I didn't know how it was going to be executed. I didn't know to the extent the... Um, automation and the CGI and the effects and like this, um, just the set build and how important that is to the entire movie. Like how <laughs> iconic, you know, the Jeep Cherokees are and like, <laughs> oh my gosh, the, um, yeah, like the no door, no roof Jeeps. Those were so cool. Those are mm-hmm. like the coolest cars ever. Oh, just, it, it just looked cool. I just wanted one. I wanted one so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, not the ones, not the Jeep Cherokees that can't drive, though, because mm. that clearly oh. didn't work out for them when they got destroyed yeah. <laughs> by the T-Rex. Mm-hmm. So basically, the movie is this super rich white dude just has all this money to clone dinosaurs, mm-hmm. you know, just pretty casually, buys an island, clones dinosaurs. He's leasing the island. He's so. leasing the island? Yeah, you know. Oh, my gosh. You're really? not that rich. Well, geez, I got to scrap all my thoughts now because <laughs> I was I was under the impression he, he owned the island. Son of a gun. John Hammond is his name. Mm-hmm. Hammond invests in these two paleontologists who are just dinosaur enthusiasts. They love them. Mm-hmm. They're kind of against technology for the most part. Well, this guy is like, <laughs> want, this old guy is wanting to be so invested in it. So he pours like millions of dollars into them and they're convinced they're bought out in a way. And then, which is interesting because it's like money kind of ruins like the excitement of like this whole experiment. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden we're involving money into this species that's, you know, hundreds of millions of years old and it quickly goes south, (laughs) very south. What do you think about that? I mean, so I love... I love Sam Neill and Laura Dern. And oh, yeah. When Dr. Hammond shows up and says, hey, I want you to come to see what I've done. And he doesn't tell them what he's done. He just says, I'm going to give you lots of money, and you guys are dinosaur experts, and come. And let's just go see. Just, just yeah. come come over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's take Real a, a play ride. I'll give you a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but in that beginning scene with, with Sam Neill and Laura Dern, like you can see that they loved, like they know dinosaurs yes. and care about dinosaurs. And um, there's this one part where they're looking up and they're using technology and Sam Neill's frustrated about, she's just grumpy about it. Um, but they see this velociraptor skeleton on a computer in the ground and there's this kid who's like, oh man, if it's like a bird, how scary is that? It's a big turkey. And then... Sam Neill's character, uh, Alan Grant, goes on this like monologue about how like velociraptors he are just this roast the hell most out of that incredible kid. predator, and they hunt in packs. And then he pulls out this claw, and he's like, and then it slices you. And I was like, that like were you talking about this movie being scary? Like that monologue. There's no real dinosaur in that scene, but that like monologue will give you like oh. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dinosaurs are scary. I like later know. is like a really good foreshadowing for what they saw the velociraptors. Mm-hmm. Like a big thing, I think, in just Jurassic Park. And then what they continued on in the whole just Jurassic franchise, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And especially in like the newer films, the Jurassic World films, which mm-hmm. they're fun. You know, they're fine. They're, 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 they're fun. They're good for binge eating popcorn. Yeah. You know, maybe some Sour Patch Kids too. But they're not the most, they're not like. Jurassic Park. But in those movies, the Velociraptor is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And I think that they were kind of bringing that in from this film a lot. Like, okay, the Velociraptor, just in, I think, just in case we get to a point where we can clone dinosaurs now, which is highly unlikely because who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't just say that. Like, who are you to say that, Bear? It's an opinion. Who knows? I don't think it's very likely. Yeah. But, you know. 
but still, I think it's interesting that this movie is like those things are the worst. Like, uh-huh. like T Rexes, you know, like they're bad, but they can't really see. <laughs> Velociraptors are super smart, and they can open doors uh-huh. <laughs> into kitchens. Well, I see. I mean, that's kind of the legacy. One of the legacies Jurassic Park had. I know as a kid who watched Jurassic Park. Granted, I didn't watch it when it came out because I wasn't born yet, but. Having that movie scene, I was like, Velociraptors, those are the cool, crazy ones. They're not yeah. like, they're, they're, they're like silent and deadly. Yeah. And I think I was not the only kid who was like, that's the cool dinosaur. That's my favorite. Yep, exactly. I, I think there's tons of people, and like culturally, the Velociraptor became a cool dinosaur. Right. It's almost like the cheetah of dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, like yeah. people love cheetahs and they're like, they're cool. There's bots and they're mysterious. You don't know much about them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're stealthy. You know, people are attracted to it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, Jurassic Park made dinosaurs incredibly attractive and mm-hmm. scary and accessible to the eye. Like there were so many like digs that resurfaced because mm-hmm. of this movie and like, just paleontology in general took a huge uptick in just like research and just overall interest people had in wanting to even pursue it as a degree, say, in their universities, wow. which is crazy that a movie intended for the just general public to make money, like helped resurface an entire mm-hmm. um just study, which is a scientific a scientific study. Study. Which yeah. shows how crazy <laughs> Steven Spielberg is. Uh-huh. Like absolutely crazy he's responsible for i mean come on jaws schindler's list the mm-hmm. list goes on mm-hmm. the greatest movie ever made ready player one i, I was about to say <laughs> yeah, that i was waiting for you to say it so oh, i said it first yeah. et mm-hmm. saving private ryan any in the jones i mean i literally you know it doesn't even like scratch the surface those movies because there's mm-hmm. so many other films and so the fact that he made like other iconic films before this, such as the Nana Jones and the ET. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, I mean, it's just like, it's unbelievable. I know he has a great team of people that help him be consistent, but like you have to be just special individually to do something like this repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Jurassic park, especially after watching some of the newer franchise films where there's dinosaurs so much and through the movie, there's only like 14 minutes of like shots with dinosaurs in all of Jurassic Park, which I just 14. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Which is kind of amazing because I feel like I'm watching them the whole time. Exactly. The movie doesn't feel like it's it's holding anything back. Um, and so I think it's a testament of how good they do the suspense in the in the movies because you always see the signs and the traces of the dinosaurs and when they do pull the veil back and show you the dinosaur you see it and it just your jaw drops to the floor like the very not the very beginning but once everybody gets to the island and they see the uh the Brachiosaurus for the first time. Oh, I got goosebumps. Oh, that yeah. That so cool. They're just massive. They're and so big. It's so huge. And then it gets back on its hind legs to get even higher on the tree. And just, I mean, Sam Neill's character, like, takes off his glasses and he's just without words. He almost passes out. And and yeah. that's how you feel. You're like, oh, my goodness. They're huge. That's, that's incredible. That's awesome. I totally agree. I think, like even though the dinosaurs are only there for 13 minutes, as you said, Mm -hmm. it feels like they're there the whole time. And that's incredible tension. Like when we start to experience the dinosaurs versus the man aspect Mm -hmm. of the film, like about 45 minutes in when they realize like, okay, we've messed up or that one, the conflict character, Mm -hmm. you know, starts, (laughs) which we can talk about in a bit. The Just the plot in this movie. What the hell? (laughs) So funny. But I think it's interesting. The dinosaurs, are physically only in 13 minutes, but mm-hmm. it feels like they're always there, especially in like the latter half of the film when the tension mm-hmm. builds and the leaves are rustling. Like even though you can't see it, it's still there, which is incredible tension, you know, and it's quiet. Like I love mm-hmm. that he cut the John Williams soundtrack, which is bold, you know, uh-huh. to not use like a full, like at least like 75% of the film with John Williams soundtrack, yeah. you know. But I think that's part of like when you have such a good soundtrack and then it goes silent, you notice that. Yes. You notice that there is no music. What it's it is quiet. Yep. There is something uneasy about just the lack of that 
you know, score that has been accompanying you the whole time. And then all of a sudden it's just raindrops. Exactly. And I, I feel like I, as someone who appreciates scoreless films more, I like the more organic feel of the movie mm-hmm. instead of having to pressure it with, you know, an overwhelming soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know, then again, say with, you know, Jaws and mm-hmm. Star Wars and all those, it makes sense. They're iconic mm-hmm. and for a reason, like that's why they've blown up. But like, you know, you have Christopher Nolan movies where 90% of the movie has blaring music in it. And that's just overwhelming and headachey to me. But this is such a cool blend. It's mm-hmm. just seamless. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. Because the music does ramp up. Yeah. Like there's that scene where the T-Rex is chasing the Jeep. And when you hear the T-Rex and the footsteps and the ground shaking, there's no music. But as this chase starts, yes. then the music kind of comes back into it. And so in those moments where it's meant for you to like feel, you see the dinosaur, you see what's happening, and you want the adrenaline to rise, it's there. But in those moments where you're meant to be uneasy and kind of on edge and knowing that something's going to happen, right. then then it's silent. Uh, at least except for the the sound effects, the rain, the rustling. Um, I've said that like three times, but that was something that just stood out to me so much. You're passionate about it. Because I was like, oh, there's never really a time in our lives where there is no noise. Exactly. That is such a good example. Like we're always wanting to feel super stimulated in a way and having to have some sort of you know, people tend to fall asleep with like background noise, like mm-hmm. they like the white noise kind of deal. And mm-hmm. people tend to like have their movies completely overwhelmed by noise. A good mm-hmm. example of that is A Quiet Place, mm-hmm. where there was no sound oh, in that yeah. movie for like the first <laughs> 45 minutes. Talk about a crazy theater experience with that, you know, like people munching popcorn for like the first five <laughs> minutes and then they're just like very self conscious about their eating. Like that changed sound, but I feel like just watching this film, like even though I was kind of late to it, yes, I feel like just looking back in the perspective of 1993, I was like, there's not a lot of movies that are this quiet at the most intense parts. Mm -hmm. Truly not. Because Mm -hmm. I think back in the 90s too, a lot of movies were about, you know, grabbing people. And like, Mm -hmm. that was such a crazy time period. Like some of those iconic films to this day were made in the 90s, which Mm -hmm. in like the whole big scheme of life, not that long ago. No. Like, Really not that long ago. Mm-mm. 1990 was 30 years ago. But, like, that still feels, I don't know. Given I was born in 1997, <laughs> so I cannot speak on this, you know. I probably shouldn't speak on it. But to me, that doesn't feel that long ago. Yeah, me neither. So the part in the movie where we're introduced to the antagonist. Just the classic <laughs> 90s oh, big yeah. guy. Oh, Newman from Newman. Seinfeld. Newman that's, from Seinfeld. That's his character. And the, the coach from... Uh, Space Jam. Yeah. 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 Which it, uh, he plays the same character. He's just every time. He's just, got a big flowery shirt. Mm. He eats so much pizza. God bless that guy, truly. <laughs> he he has uh he works for the park in this movie and he has a deal with the guy where he is able to get these basically these eggs, embryos. Embryos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um for like millions of dollars per embryo. Mm-hmm. Um and so that kind of catapults it into this selfishness of the uh the evil character in mm-hmm. the film and his ventures just kind of ridiculous <laughs> ventures throughout the film he just struggles so hard yeah. and his yeah. his hacking and shutting down the whole park and everything but he had these this intention of money you Cor- know corporate espionage corporate espionage he was selling embryos to like the competing Jurassic Park Whatever, whatever that competitive interest is. Or exactly. <laughs> and on the same playing field, but different intentions, Hammond, mm-hmm. the owner of the park, also was kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny how there's just so many mentions of just like, this park is full automation and people are going to love this and the merchandise. Mm-hmm. And then there's an incredible line that Jeff Goldblum, oh, got to love, love him. Goldblum. We love Jeff Goldblum, man. So good. He says, Hammond says, well, you know, in the 50s, when Walt Disney opened up Disney World, you know, the whole park didn't work. And then uh, Jeff Goldblum goes, well, hey, when Pirates of the Caribbean ride broke down, <laughs> it didn't try to kill <laughs> the people riding it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like I love the aspect of the profit of it and the references to Disney. Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Like the 
like the kind of the the references in this movie for 1993, I think that grabbed a lot of people, mm-hmm. which like we see a lot of movies today make self references of like mm-hmm. pop culture things. And so f- looking at it from this, it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, oh, especially because Universal Studios and like their yeah. Jurassic Park rides, huge deal. That's that's their Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and before I saw this movie, I I've been to Universal in California and I've been on the Jurassic Park ride and it scared me so bad. <laughs> like it was so mm-hmm. scary. And I had, that was the impression I had of Jurassic Park going into this film. So mm-hmm. I think just the whole money aspect of it in it is just like the profit of the park. Yeah. And it yeah. really steers away, like away from the dinosaurs. Like it's all about the, the money yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because Hammond's character He's like he's rich and motivated kind of by money, but he just seems naive. Yeah. Like he he just he's like, no, but the the dinosaurs are are good. We just we like it's going to be good. It's going to be good for kids. Like it's going to make us a lot of money. And that's why I'm doing it. But like it's good. Like the park is intrinsically good to him and money to him is the avenue that allows him to pursue it. Um, but he's just misguided. He doesn't understand the way that the the paleontologist and Jeff Goldblum's character, this sexy rock star mathematician, whatever yeah. it was like he three is. Button, three buttons unbuttoned. Oh, yeah, and yeah. he's got the chains. But so cool. He's just saying like, hey, we never. You, you spent so much time thinking about how to do it. You never thought about if it is a good idea. Exactly. And. To, to Hammond, he's like, no, it's just intrinsically a good idea because dinosaurs are cool, man. Yeah. And we'll make money and and bring things back and it'll be cool. Exactly. Um, but that's that's something where he's just naive in that understanding. And I, I think it's really interesting in that first scene when he does show up to the paleontologists um, and he's like cloaked in like these what this white like, you know, almost looking like pajamas they're just perfectly white suit like colonel sanders yeah yeah yeah. but he's perfectly white and then grant and ellie are just covered in dust yeah like they're the ones that are on the ground and you see that in the movie and he comes in on a helicopter and like ruins the dig basically is what he just yeah does not know he's just this old guy who doesn't know what his money is doing, and he doesn't know the the risks that he's taking with all of that. Jeez, if that doesn't speak clearly today of just, like, where we're at in our society with just a lot of rich white men that just, like, have no idea how to handle their money and get into a lot of sticky situations. This is a way more wholesome approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, incredibly. Pe- well, okay, I guess people die in real life over this, too. But yeah. there was, like, five people who died total, I think, in, in the film. Park. Yeah. Give or take. Not too bad, you know? Yeah. That's all right. Just yeah. a couple. It's not, yeah. not a huge deal, you know? A lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not a big deal. The, okay, just the special effects, the practical effects, mm-hmm. it's all so mm-hmm. sick. Obviously, there's some CGI in this film, mm-hmm. and it looks good. It looks fine. It's it looks aged, good. Yeah, it's aged all right, you know? It's mm-hmm. pretty, and I bet during that time period, not a lot of exposure to CGI for just the mainstream movie-going public. It probably looked incredible. But what really looked good was, you know, the T-Rex, yeah. the um, Stegosaurus. What was the one that was on the ground, the sick dinosaur? Uh, Triceratops. Triceratops. Absolutely incredible. They looked mm-hmm. so good. The Triceratops one for me, I think, was the most impressive because that that was where you saw the whole thing, uh, the whole dinosaur. Yeah. When we were watching it, we we made a couple comments that oh they redid the effects right yeah it, like kind of a Star Wars thing because they did redo them later on in some like in because of the seventies I know I didn't I didn't see that they changed Same. the effects at all I don't think they did so I was is, expecting like oh they up they 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 did a re release in two thousand three it's been ten, ten years no like the what we watched was the original effects that's and crazy. I was honestly very surprised at like oh that I mean. This looks good. Yeah. This looks good. I'm sure if the whole movie was like that, you'd get fatigue and you would just be like, okay, yep, that dinosaur looks it's a little weird looking, a little blurry, but it it looks really good. And for me, that like practical effect that really was like, oh, this is incredible, was the the T-Rex head 
in that scene when they are in the rain in those cars. Oh, and, and the, the, cla- the and like oh you can see the T Rex like his eye looking through um, that car, and they're just hiding, trying to turn off the flashlight. And for me, that was like, oh wow, that looks real. I can see the texture. Like I can just imagine better than CGI. Honestly, oh, yeah. I think, and I think they used a perfect amount because mm-hmm. they wanted to show. The dinosaurs, because people want to be, you know, they want to see it from afar. They want to see if you're just seeing a close-up dinosaur the entire time, you're not Mm going to be, like, people want to see the big picture. They want to zoom out and be like, I want to see the whole park. I want to see different dinosaurs interacting with each other. So they had to give the public that in the sense of, okay, we cannot just give, like, you know, where it looks like this was filmed in a studio, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. The T-Rex scene is a great example of just like how superior they are with the animatronics and like, mm-hmm. you know, built like we talked about earlier, building that tension with the water shaking mm-hmm. and then like that build up to the T-Rex there. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. And how it's just tossing that car around. Like it's <laughs> nothing like it's a paper bag. Uh-huh. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Fun fact about that scene. I'm pretty sure the rain was causing some like electrical parts to like, Oh yeah, out. I read and about so this. The the dinosaur in between takes, in between shooting, would randomly just start like moving and yelling. They'd and be like eating lunch, and then you just hear, <laughs> and people were like, would be screaming because it's, it it's was, alive. Because they use come to life. They use a mixture of, um, I think it was penguin, tiger, wolf, and bear noises to make it. So it's just the this concoction of like like several Screams. animals of just probably screaming, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've been on the Jurassic Park ride at Universal. I've not. Have you frequented it? I've never been to any Universal Parks. They're pretty impressive, I will say. They're very grand, like mm-hmm. incredibly grand. And the anima, it, that thing is awesome. That is such a fun ride. Mm-hmm. And I think I wish I would have seen Jurassic Park before I rode that ride, but I'm, you know, we're... we're we're here. You wrote it. I wrote you know, it. At the end of the I day, you wrote it. it and saw the movie. So Exactly. Maybe not one after the other, or <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter the order, but the reactions to the animatronics too, I was able to kind of read some post-interviews, and they were terrified. It was scary. <laughs> like, those things are actually scary. Uh-huh. So I think really a job well done in terms of the animatronics for the whole film and just the practical effects, the set and the mm-hmm. like the opening of the doors and the cars everything was just man really cool very iconic the big gate that says Jurassic Park mm-hmm. you know and like all the use of, i don't i just love the props the props are just so cool yeah yeah it really is cool and i i do i mean like i mentioned earlier with the the like cages and the fences and kind of this like industrialist look of like hey this is a park but we also have a lot of concrete and steel yeah and just to me that was i mean it makes sense for the movie because it's like hey this is the natural world but but man is oh wow. putting his his boundaries into that and just the way that they were able to do the effects and the set design and structure is you can tell that like it's not a natural looking fence. It is it is something that they like took time to make that look more industrial. I guess exactly. It's a controlled environment, mm-hmm. and I think what we also kind of saw in King Kong too, and kind of in relation to both films, is a very controlled. Humans prefer it to be this way mm-hmm. instead of combining with the natural world. And I mm-hmm. think since they there's a lot of great points in it with how old the dinosaurs are. It's like. They're Mm -hmm. like hundreds of million years old and like created those instincts and now they have to interact with humans. How are they going to do that? And you you can't just create this out of thin air, Uh you know, and make it seem like it's a fun thing and sell it, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really cool just with these two movies, just being these animal action adventure, really they're kind of, they very much support the animal in the sense Mm -hmm. where you're a little bit against the humans, even though they, you know, they have great qualities and they're passionate about it maybe you kind of support the animal on these movies. Yeah. Yeah. I would say King Kong has a little different of a message, but we'll get into that. Yeah. King Kong's. Yeah. That's a wild movie. <laughs> that's a wild movie. So Jurassic Park, one of the most iconic films of the nineties, one of the just most important films for Steven Spielberg and his career amidst 
uh, all of his other incredible movies. Though it has some plot holes, this movie has held up incredibly well and has managed to completely influence a generation of moviegoers um, and excite people and inspire people to want to create big time action adventure animal movies. So I'm going to give this movie a four out of five. King Kong, which is the 1933 King Kong. There's been a lot of other King Kongs, a lot of King Kong versus Godzilla. Big franchise. Big franchise. Arguably, yeah, probably on the on the same uh, same spectrum as Jurassic Park as far as just maybe overall. Bigger. Maybe bigger. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a huge monkey. So it's a very <laughs> it's a very big monkey. So mm-hmm. it makes a big impact. Yeah. I mean it's been yeah, it's been around longer than Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been around for yeah, like several decades. So it was directed by Marion Cooper and Ernest Shodzik, and it was a dual combination. Um, and they were also pulling from a novel that was written mm-hmm. um, as well. There is a book about a big ape. And then I think they just kind of came to, uh, like, as far as for the production of the film and for the film it, to be called King Kong. I don't know if the book was called that, but it was also a, a written story previously. Mm-hmm. And um, this thing has really held up, I yeah. think, as far as just effects, acting even, um, maybe some of the... <laughs> The racist and sexist yeah. jokes, you know that not did not age like like some wines. Yeah, more yeah. like uh, yeah, more like bread. Mm. Just well, soggy bread. Left yeah, out for mm-hmm. sixty well, years. Yeah, it was, it, so completely no <laughs> desire at all. <laughs> so tons of remakes. We have a very popular two thousand four remake remake by Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. and that is the only one that I was really familiar with going into this. Mm-hmm. And I realized, wow, that movie like perfectly matched this one. Mm-hmm. Like same concept of the filmmaker bringing on a actress. You know, the actress falls in love with one of the shipmates kind of deal and all that stuff. And, you know, the indigenous people rebelling and all the insects and the more dinosaurs and stuff. It yeah. really matched it well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, one thing you mentioned about the insects. So I was reading about the original like plot and like one this movie was heavily censored after it was made and released um because this movie is intense there's like king kong like tears a t-rex's jaw just open yeah and he like kills so many other dinosaurs and people stopping on people eating people all this other stuff um but there's this one scene where you know, the crew is hanging on a log and King Kong is trying to wave them and get them to fall off the log. And originally they fall into the abyss and they get eaten by insects. Whoa. Um, but a uh, rumor has it. Some people say that was never filmed. Um, other people say it was filmed. And the first like test viewing people saw it and were just disgusted. And they're like, I can't, I can't do this. And so they got rid of it. So I thought it was really interesting because Peter Jackson brings that back. He brings, and the insect scene mm-hmm. is awful. It's oh, just it's, hor- it's super horrifying. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, I wish they would have included that because when they fall into the abyss, their mm-hmm. body, like they're just they're dead as soon yeah. as they hit the ground. Yeah. So, but then to if they were to actually have insects, that would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. That would have been really crazy. Yeah, this thing really held up as far as the effects goes. That little stop motion animation, mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was corny at all. I think um, what I mentioned a lot is having to think about where you're at as far as the year goes for the yeah. film, and yeah. you have to factor that in. You can't, you know, be thinking <laughs> this 2020 mindset where everything is just CGI That's crazy. Not real? Yeah, there's uh, no way there's that looks like it. So a dumb. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker was way better. <laughs> you know, like you can't think like that. They didn't uh-huh. have those tools. They didn't uh-huh. have like. Geez, even like a quarter of the tools yeah. we have. And honestly, it's impressive how they how they were able to overlay like the stop motion with the live actors mm. and how they they had like King Kong running around and doing things. And I don't I don't know what they did to to frame it in a way that like you know there's foliage and then you can obviously tell that there's kind of like in the background King Kong is doing something. Mm-hmm. Um but it does look realistic. Um, and, you know, imagining myself 
long time ago in 1933 and just having this like moving picture and me like that is a giant gorilla that is picking up people. Yes. That is incredible. That's huge. I've never seen that before. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure the, yeah, it set the, this bar that people Mm -hmm. were just not used to yet. And I Mm -hmm. bet it was perceived as a horror film. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, that movie is Kind of terrifying it considering really like the amount of time that's spent running away from King Kong or chasing after it because somebody is being kidnapped. Um, Faye Ray, I can't remember what her name is in the movie, but she's she's like always in danger for like 75% of the film. She is in you know the hands of death, yeah. Being King Kong, as powerful as he is, and it's it's like he like the the ape has this like is infatuated by the the woman mm-hmm. and i think today what we've seen out of the more modern uh kong movies is that then the woman starts to have feelings too yeah. for the ape like yeah. in the sense of stockholm syndrome going yeah, on yeah kind of weird this one she was terrified the oh, whole time yeah I, that was something i noticed too cuz i was like she was is never she going to be like oh well quit hurting him yeah, no guys, she's stop. like I don't yeah. want to be here because I just have PTSD. Like, I don't want to see the ape. I don't want to be close to the yeah, ape. Like, the, get me the, away. Exactly. Like, the big event at the end, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, after they, sorry, spoilers, <laughs> they get the ape. <laughs> they, they freaking take that big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's completely freaked out by it. Mm-hmm. So, basically, this movie, it's this guy. He wants to finish uh, his film. Yeah. And he knows the perfect location, Skull yeah. Island. He's got it down. He's mapped it. He has a whole crew. This dude's like one of the top filmmakers of top his time. Exotic filmmaker. Exo- you know, he really goes out and he, people love how he films monkeys and all this and, you know, and uh, tigers. And mm-hmm. he, he he's, he's an all right guy. You know, he, <laughs> he's got some questionable. Yeah. Quirks, yeah, you know, <laughs> question some, some, yeah, ethically maybe not the best, you know, not not really animal yeah. uh, conscious, uh, but he so he needs a lead lady, finds mm-hmm. this lady, like this is where it was weird. She was the, the blatant <laughs> sexism in the film. Uh-huh. It it doesn't age well, and I'm wondering too. Like I understand for the time period, but it's like it's just constantly men being like, I hate women oh, and women are the portrayed first 10 so minutes are poorly. like women are the worst why women, would a woman would, ever be on the show why would you have her on a, in your movie women are just terrible and then mm-hmm. they're showing he's like trying to find a woman a, a woman and he goes out and he's on the street and there's just like this parade of women like Is looking for jobs bank? a food bank yeah mm-hmm. and there's women stealing he's like oh i want that one that's stealing it's like yeah. What on earth? Which, honestly, I was wondering, and I don't know, if if he is portrayed in a negative light from... Because my understanding is I see that as, like, that's a man in power mm. acting predat- predatorily and, like, abusing his privilege mm-hmm. to, like, oh, I am a big, wealthy movie producer. I can get you what you want, but I'm not going to tell you anything about it, which is right. very, like, suspect, and to me, I'm like, uh, alarm bells are ringing off where it's like, this is a bad guy. Don't, don't, don't do that. And yet in the movie, it's, it's fine. He, he, he is a movie producer. And so I wonder if like anyone at the time was like, hey, that's a bad character. Do we all agree that that's a bad character? Because it's kind of ambivalent. Like, is he bad? Yes, he's bad. He endangers his staff a lot. And we see that story happen. Sadly, in real life with directors and movie makers where they endanger their people for the sake of the shot. Exactly. Where we see like legitimate, like we see a lot of stuntmen and women currently mm-hmm. like perish because of it. So I mm-hmm. think that this is an interesting movie to look in the perspective of, you know, yeah, like the abusive director. And I think movies were well into, you know, movies have been being made since, you know, like as far as a Hollywood, you know, very uh, just blockbuster, highly grossing perspective moves have been made since the early 1900s. Like mm-hmm. that's been it's been a hundred so, years. Yeah, in in the in the 30s, like they were well off. Like people were going to the movies. They were directors and I mean, minus production the Great companies. Depression part. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's just a small thing. People weren't going to the movies then. Not a lot was going on then. 
But minus that, <laughs> forgetting about that, it was at this point in 33, big industry. This was a what they would call a pre-code Hollywood movie, mm-hmm. which is the Hayes Code, which was uh, adopted in 1930. Um, and it was really enforced in 1934. And it basically made things not as risque for movies. So between the 20s and 30s, we have movies that, you know, implied sexual innuendos. Uh, there was drug use, there was prostitution, all of it, all the stuff, all the risky stuff, you know, all the things that people are like, Ooh, I'm <laughs> bad for watching that. So th- this was like one of the last movies to do that. And then, and, but not until around the sixties and seventies where that was, you know, later introduced and we see that, you know, more of that risque stuff brought mm-hmm. into it, but very interesting. Yeah. So when we, when we sat down to watch this, uh, there's this just screen that popped up and, Started playing the the score and it's just said overture. For a moment, honestly, I'll admit it. I was like, "Is this supposed to happen?" I was about <laughs> I was about to touch the remote. I didn't. Yeah, I resisted. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was like, "Do we do we do we skip it? Do we is this part of the movie? Do I check and make sure I got the right movie." <laughs> yeah, like of course, you know, oh. our twenty first century brains are like, "Is this really what should be happening?" This isn't right necessary. Now? We need to cut out anything that's unnecessary. Yeah, this is what isn't what I'm used to, but. Mm. You know, it was kind of fun. It it set, I did like it. It, it did set, set the, the mood and the tone for for what yeah. the movie was going to look like. And I think the I thought of, I guess the closest thing to this is like the DVD menu music when you're waiting for everyone to show up and it's like start the movie. Like, all right, does everyone yeah. have their popcorn? Everyone and it's just the same like action clip looping over and over again. Um, it did feel like that. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was kind of nice and. Um, hearing the music and how it like swells and how like it does build into those moments and there's like banging bass drums and stuff. It gave me an idea of like, okay, all right, we're getting ready for King Kong. Yeah. Here we go. Which does make a lot of sense um, because the first four, five beginning of the movie, there's not a lot of action and there's, there isn't really any music. It's a bunch of people talking about, we need to make a movie. We need a woman in this movie. We need to, we need to go set sail. And they're setting the scene. Mm -hmm. Like they're, I, what I appreciate is like, they're preparing, you've got the dialogue, you know, the characters, and then it's just, it just, you really don't revisit like the whole morality or just like feelings or minds of the characters at all it is just (laughs) mayhem after that and the music's blaring there's these drums you have the indigenous people and their Uh intensity and their incredible like culture that you're noticing and the music is like very infuriating with that Mm -hmm. and you get all get all kind of worked up yeah yeah i was reading listening to youtube videos and stuff and somebody mentioned that it's like an opera almost because there's so much like visual stuff going on but the music is just continuous and as the scene escalates on picture Mm -hmm. also the score escalates and you know king kong is fighting another dinosaur yeah and then okay all right we're, we're getting the music really loud or king kong is has broken through the wall and everyone is running away okay we're gonna get the most like intense and magnificent sounding like strings and stuff to think like oh this is terrifying we gotta we're, we're nervous we're afraid we're, we're filled with fear um and so the music really matches what's happening on screen and tells you how to feel in some sense. Absolutely. I think it gave people, I don't know, this kind of rush. Um, and Yeah, like in the sense of the whole pre-code thing, just kind of like one of the last movies kind of have that scary factor before a mm-hmm. lot of just restrictions. I think it was pretty abnormal too and like really frightened people. I think mm-hmm. what we've talked about is, you know, is in terms of is this like truly scary in our, you know, like little kids looking at this like that's the scariest movie ever you know are they going to be thinking that now but back then absolutely and the music plays a huge role into that like you said yeah those just really dark kind of gothic strings and Mm -hmm. just overall dark tone of the movie and how gritty it is too and Mm -hmm. foggy and i I really like the direction of it absolutely Mm -hmm. because of just that absolute monster chaos that we get Mm -hmm. um it's chaotic it really is. I love the dinosaur fight. Yeah. And Which just, one? Oh, I know. Uh, definitely the T-Rex one. Uh-huh. That was the best one. Yeah. And yeah. in the Peter Jackson film, that's one of the coolest scenes ever uh-huh. is because 
what it's kind of revisit it's made me revisit the Peter Jackson one because I'm like I grew up on that one, watched that one dozens mm-hmm. of times, you know, mm-hmm. and I realized, wow, he took a lot of inspiration and he kept it true to mm-hmm. the original. And I think they're both great. Mm-hmm. I really do like it. Um, and in that scene, obviously, he's got more heavy CGI and the ripping yeah. of the of the <laughs> T Rex jaws <laughs> makes me my jaw hurt. Yeah, you know, and uh-huh. it, it kind of hurt my jaw watching this one. I was like <laughs> rubbing a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of one of my favorite like scenes with the action um, was when I also love how like the the herbivore dinosaurs were just like deadly too, <laughs> like yes. the, like especially after watching Jurassic Park, yeah. where, like those ones are like <laughs> and docile. they're scientifically like don't yeah, worry, yeah, they're just fine. eating vegetables. And then but in this these like ones. a brachiosaurus, like that was my favorite when its head just emerges from the water and they're like on this raft and then they're like. Hey, what what it what is that? And then it just like flips their boat. It's just picking people off of the water, chasing them down. I was like, dang, this this is this is the good dinosaur, but no, this is the angry bad dinosaur. Everyone, like yeah, everything is so angry. Like the mm-hmm. whole island was just pissed off. Yeah, yeah, you know, because all these people just came in and messed uh-huh. with it. But it was interesting because the people that were living there, the indigenous people they were they knew Mm -hmm. they knew the way of the beasts they Mm -hmm. you know in a way worshipped this kong figure and like had their own walls they had these big walls up Mm -hmm. and they really kind of stayed within those barriers Mm -hmm. and then you know here comes this guy who just because you're excited this movie maker just because you're excited doesn't mean you should actually do it oh yeah uh just just the line where he's like well Whatever is there, we're going to get video of yeah. it. We're going to get some gonna, pictures. Yeah, it, it's like the typical, like, yeah, you know, like if there's a car accident, everyone just pulls out their phone. Uh-huh. And it's just like, oh, back then it's just like, oh, if, like, even if it's try- if it's causing harm, I'm going to, I got to get we that. We need to know. We this is good, good content. Yeah. Who's <laughs> a content chaser back uh-huh. then in the 1930s. Oh, yeah. Big content chaser. <laughs> this character, um, the dire- the director completely similar to Hammond yeah. in fancy clothes, you know, searching for the right people mm-hmm. is convinced, you know, that we'll make it right. work. We'll make it, we'll work. make it work. We're there committed. might be some hiccups. Um, some people It'll might be die. hard, but if you're committed, then I am, yeah. you know, and th- those, both of those movies had those. So it was very, Oh, like, don't worry guys, I've got this. And then nature, nature had another plan. Yeah. Yeah, nature's not always able to be grasped and controlled the way that we expect it to be. Absolutely. Oh, I think that is totally true. And it's really cool because these movies are exactly 60 years apart. And in a way, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park was for sure inspired by King Kong. I mean, there's that line in Jurassic Park where they see a cage and they're like, what's in there, King Kong? And, and like, it refers to it. Yes. Like, you can tell that one is inspired by the other and just in the monster movie genre of like, Hey, this is this natural monster that, um, people come and try to manipulate and then it turns on them. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's the public meets the monster, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, they bring King Kong to the big apple. They, they introduce him, which is crazy. Like you brought this huge ape on a boat. Uh huh. In the movie, they're just like, well, let's get it. And then they get and it. And then they just get it. <laughs> and then it's like, all and right. It's there. 13 in, weeks later. And they think that it's going to like be held in these steel mm-hmm. chains. They're, they're chrome steel. <laughs> chrome steel. Chrome steel will break hold out of anything. This. He broke out. <laughs> mm. he for, and he got shot down by, play, you know? And mm. like it was, it was man that brought him in, and then it was man that ended it. So I think it was like a really interesting touch on just like, yeah, the, I don't know, the preservation of animals and how, like, mm-hmm. just so human-controlled it can be, especially this film, how they they decide when to bring it in. They decide when it was going to end, you know, when mm-hmm. this thing was just living its, its merry life. Well, I mean, it was like taking the wives of Kong, you know. That was, it's interesting because it's like what, 
happens with the other like wives or like what how often were did oh, yeah, that, that was tribe bad. give up like was it like every other Monday or like was this like once a year thing and they come on man up? apes gotta have a wife dude I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was for the apes I'm for the ape <laughs> I'm very a- pro ape mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. in terms of the setting and as things climax with mm-hmm. King Kong it climaxes in New York and in Jurassic Park, like, the climax is, like, this tropical storm. And I think that was one notable difference is that Jurassic Park comes back to, hey, we as people are invading the natural world. Mm-hmm. And King Kong was like, we're trying to bring the natural world and the natural wonders of the world, King Kong being the eighth wonder, into our existence and commodify it. Um and those are kind of different because Jurassic Park never ended up bringing people over. If you don't watch the sequels and the other movies, <laughs> it does. Um, but in terms of King Kong, like that scene, that iconic scene where he's on the top of the Empire State Building and he's swatting away these these planes that are shooting at him like that. Like it is foreign to see King Kong, this like giant gorilla on top of a skyscraper. Um, and that's just different about seeing a person or a Jeep next to this giant T-Rex. And so one of those things is out of place. But um, in Jurassic Park, it's a man that's out of place. And in King Kong, it's King Kong that's out of place in New York. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that contrasting point because, yeah, like he's out of place. He's not in regular society. And it's, yeah, very, yeah, I don't know. It's really cool that in Jurassic Park, they're not brought at all. Again, mm-hmm. of course, if you don't watch the other films, which, yeah. you know, is a, and that's an interesting thing because I mm-hmm. feel like in the other movies when they touched on that, it just got worse. Yeah. Because then it really shows like when you mix this animal and this, like this abnormal animal mm-hmm. that shouldn't interact with people, like it may sound like a cool idea, but. Yeah. Yeah. It goes wrong. And that's why when I was watching, I thought King Kong, I was like, this reminds me of Jurassic World. Because there's that scene where King Kong breaks down the door um, in the wall and all the villagers are running away. And I was just reminded of in the new Jurassic World, there's there's a scene where like all the dinosaurs break free and there's a bunch of guests and they're all running away. And I'm like, this this is like the same thing that's happening in so many of the same themes. And it's cool to see that Jurassic Park got there in terms of what King Kong set and the tempo that and structure that they have for their movie. Absolutely. So another point, um, just kind of as like a comparison with both is, you know, they come into this island, Skull Island, and there's these native people and the native people respect Kong and they know his power and all of this. And then the filmmaker or the doesn't. Right. And then the paleontologists in Jurassic Park, they respect it. They're, you know, they're like, they're questioning it quite a bit when, it's being brought up in the film, like, this isn't possible. Why, like, how are you doing this, you know? And there's a really great point in Jurassic Park where they kind of go on this, like, evolutionary kind of perspective, mm-hmm. like, but life happens. Like, they, like, they're trying to control this animal so much. And then uh, Jeff Goldblum's character says, but, like, like, sir, like, like, Dr. Hammond, what happens when just life happens? Life finds a way. Life finds a way unbelievable i can't believe he made that comment too his like just unbelievable (laughs) sexy rock star hair and he said that that was a really profound Mm -hmm. way to put it and i think i thought about that line in king kong as well like why don't you just let it be for what it is you know and how these animal like we just have to have our hands on everything like humans mm-hmm. just do. They want to make things fun. They want to bring it to the people. The people are going to love this. That's a common theme mm-hmm. is like, they're going to love this. They're going to eat it up. It's going to make so much money. And when somebody is truly passionate about something and cares for it in like their own personal sense, then they're not going to go to it for profit. They're more going to go to it for just like personal reflection and, at just enjoyment on their terms, but being more conscious of the of the animals' terms as well. Yeah, and that's I mean that's a bummer that King Kong doesn't have that voice in it in the right. movie. It's the native tribe, and the native tribe does it. I mean, the the caricature, and so that's a bummer 
and in terms of able to tell that story better, um, Jurassic Park does an excellent job because um, the the guests that John Hammond invites to like critique his park are that voice of maybe we shouldn't do this, maybe we shouldn't toy with life like this. And what I notice in King Kong is there's nobody that has that voice. Um, maybe maybe Faye Ray or Anne Darrow, the the girl who is repeatedly kidnapped by King Kong, like would have that voice, but she's, her voice is just like, are you sure I've been kidnapped? Like, I don't like the spot that I'm in. (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's, it's a bummer that there isn't as much of a prominent voice and kind of that, that conversation and conflict between should we, shouldn't we King Kong is like pedal to the floor. Like we're doing this Mm -hmm. We're we should do it. And we see in the actions of the movie that maybe we shouldn't. And by the end of the movie, you go like, Oh, that's a bummer. He got killed and he just wanted, he just appreciated this woman. He just thought she was pretty. Um, and so, you know, I think that would be a cool, level of nuance if there was some way for that movie to, to have a dialogue about, hey, should we? Nah. So. How do you think our society would react if we were to experience uh, King Kong or Jurassic Park? Like, what would, like, how would we, like, take to that? Because we have a lot of, like, very, like, you know, animal activists, mm-hmm. um, you know, the vegan culture, which mm-hmm. is, like, like, they're very passionate mm-hmm. Um, about that and PETA and all those things and the protection of animals, which is totally important, you know, and the people that are like work for zoos, anti-zoo, where do zoos play a role? What do you think about that? Like, how would that happen? How could Jurassic Park happen or how could King Kong happen now? I think, I mean, the way Jurassic Park does it, I think is, is I guess kind of accurate because once the professionals do get into it and they see it, they're like, this is incredible, but... There's a lot of there's a lot of messiness. Like dinosaurs weren't created for the 20th century. Absolutely not. And and you know, I think about how they didn't know about it and until like financially they had to know about it. Yes. Like the the investors <laughs> for John Hammond's park wouldn't wouldn't keep going until professional science scientists and experts in that field had written it and give it like the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like yeah, it, if it were to happen it might be some like shady, you know, business that's like, okay, we're gonna do this under the books. We're not gonna tell anyone, and we're just gonna get as far as we can until it's too big to fail. Exactly. Like they're in a way, you get tunnel vision to the point where then, like, you know, those blinds are cleared mm-hmm. and you can see it now. And then you're trying to cover it up. Like, oh yeah. boy, here I am trying to cover it up. Yeah. And or, hopefully they don't notice that I have no idea what I'm doing. Like King Kong, where he like did not tell anyone where he was going yeah. or what they were doing. And they're like, good man. Are you going to tell? Like nobody will work with you <laughs> because you don't tell even the captain where the boat is going. Yeah. Like that's what is necessary. Like I think that's how you get to make King Kong and bring him to New York because anyone else in their right mind is going to say, no, that's a terrible idea. That's abuse towards animals. Like, that's that's not cool, dude. Um, but if, right, if there's the a guy plan, who sees dollar signs yeah. is gonna just cover oh, it up. Oh, completely cover it up. That's the thing. If you see something potential, and then I think it's easy to lose the passion in it. So I think with anything, Jurassic Park and King Kong, they would need to be. I I feel like if they were brought now, the public would want like extreme caution with it mm-hmm. and there would be multiple organizations that would be like can we give you the resources to make this work if it was to come mm-hmm. i think now with how just i think our society is just really aware right now and is able to have a lot of different resources mm-hmm. um as opposed to these movies where it's just one dude and it's a <laughs> dude with both these movies there's just a white dude and that's where i think it's so funny just one white guy hired a bunch of people to help him out. And now I think that is still common, you know, definitely still common. It'd be Jeff Bezos. He'd be the one that brings dinosaurs back. That's like, he's he's the guy to do it if there ever was. Do you think Elon would? Elon, I mean, yeah, I guess Elon has the idea, but I think Jeff Bezos has, has the resources to do such a thing. 
and then Mark Zuckerberg is going to bring his uh, ancestors, the lizard people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But it's all coming together. So King Kong, 1933, um, basically one of the just cornerstone films and set up a lot of movies today, a lot of action adventure uh, monster films, and really just inspired a whole generation of people viewing animals in movies with its unbelievably well done stop motion and effects and just use of tons of people within the film and like representing a cool kind of like fantasy culture. I think this movie has aged incredibly well for being released uh, well over 80 years ago and I'm going to give it a four out of five. Thank you, Josiah, for uh, coming on and talking about monsters, talking about Revolutionary movies, Spielberg, all the things. Thank you so much for joining. It's my pleasure. I had a blast being on here. This is my first foray into the podcast world, and this is fun. We loved having you. Now tell me, before you leave, what is one great movie that you've uh, recently watched? Tell us. Yeah, recently I, I watched Cabin in the Woods, which which was fun. And, you know, it's a fun movie of like, hey, there's this horror genre and we know we know you know about horror movies and so we're just gonna we're gonna pepper in like what it looks like when the horror movie is being designed by somebody in the movie it's fun you know you got all sorts of monsters and and crazy things going on love it do you recommend it i do recommend it i think it's a it's a if you like horror movies um it's a fun one to see because you see a little bit of every horror movie in it. I love it. I am Bear Boswell. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast. You can support us by subscribing to us on your chosen podcast player. We put this podcast out for free every two weeks. So if you want to give back, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is great. And if you want to suggest a film, a topic, or just express your thoughts, get in touch via email at defilmpod at gmail.com. Next time, myself and a guest will be looking at Knives Out and The Lady Vanishes through the lens of the whodunit genre. So check out those films in the next two weeks and be part of the discussion. We look forward to hearing what you have to say and see you next time.